2: Welcome to it, Thursdays here at Tale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, back at our ESPN Lincoln studios. We are doing a patio show today, getting the old equipment uh, dusted off and ready to gear up for the Saturday road show as we're going to be down at Woodland Hills for the tee off for treasures Tyson's treasure chest. Me and Kranak. On the road Saturday morning, 7 to 9 a.m., but uh, plenty of football and sports to get into today as it's Casa de Schmidt uh, back on the patio. The German Shepherd is guarding the gate. The uh, Labradoodle is... Where did she go? She wants me to rub her belly. She just rolled over. You can join us at 466-3776, 466-3776, 825 5865 so Damon brother you know the drill uh you're going to need to text me and say shut up schmidt quit talking get out for commercial can we can we get back into Roadshow form before COVID when we were down in the rail yard for state tournament basketball and Husker hoops and tailgates and all those awesome times for football season. Are you in
3: roadshow form, my friend? Uh, I'm ready. I, I'm uh I miss your uh, beautiful face here in the studio. It's going to be weird just uh, looking at the void today. So it'll it'll be a fun one. (laughs) Well, I miss you too, sir. Uh, This
2: tweet coming from Brett McMurphy from Stadium. All right, that's a plane. Great. I was like, dear God, do I have his junior got the surround sound cranked up downstairs? That frightened me. Okay, uh, Brett McMurphy, percent chance college football starts on time. Uh, as John Bluto Blutarski would say, 0. 0.0. If you remember that scene from Animal House, Dean Warmer dropping the big one. And, of course, the uh, responses to Brett McMurphy throwing more shade on the hope and prayer of a college football season starting earlier. Uh, some response, no better time than now. There's a gif of Mr. Rogers putting on a clown mask, which is quite frightening. Kevin Bacon saying, remain calm. And then, of course, you got to have the appearance by uh, Bluto himself breaking a beer bottle over his head. And uh, the token, it wasn't over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. We'll see. We'll talk with Gary Barnett coming up in uh, just a bit, uh, about an hour with Coach Barnett, get his take on how he would work spring football, how he would navigate this COVID-2020 season. Uh, a lot to get into with Jaquez Yant. I should say Jaquez Yant, a, uh, a walk-on that's a scholarship good Player has been added to the Nebraska football team. We will get to that in just a moment. We'll also get you an update on Marquise Buford as Buford will make his announcement at 3:16 Central Time on Saturday. Excited for that. It sounds like things could be all right for Nebraska. Buford, a tremendous athlete. You can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. And also, uh, be sure to check out Damon Barr at Damon Barr. That's two R's is uh, where you can find Damon. Uh, email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Always follow HaleVarsity. Always follow uh, at ESPN Lincoln. We have the, uh, the, the guru of college football. That is Phil Steele. Phil Steele is 15 minutes away, and we go full gore Big Ten with Phil Steele. Phil's going to talk to us about Nebraska. Phil's going to talk to us about his surprise team, Northwestern, his take on if Ohio State can be dethroned, who's a dark horse in the East, who's the dark horse in the West, and Who can knock off Wisconsin? All of that covered most of this hour with Phil Steele. Coming up at 425, Gary Barnett. Brandon Vogel in hour two. Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago. We'll get the latest on what's happening in Vegas in a moment. Okay, Damon, I need your thoughts here. Uh, We're going to set a Vegas odds for the first dog to bark, and it is the German Shepherd. They may have to move inside. So question here did you ever wear a disguise damon to try and buy liquor when you were a teen this is a problematic it's a prank that's gone crazy on social media with TikTok. uh that is a reality uh, i remember teen wolf yes teen wolf has been mentioned today where uh, michael j fox's eyes turned red and is uh, and the guy at the liquor store in the small town where Teen Wolf took place, freaked out and sold beer, sold a keg of beer to, to Michael J. Fox's character. And then, of course, Dazed and Confused, the movie classic where Mitch is able to go in as an eighth grader, <laughs> pretend he works for the city, and, and buys a six-pack for, uh, for the crew. So, Damon, I, have, I, I was always afraid to get nailed. I had a cousin— who had a roommate that, like, got federal charges thrown on him because he drove to, to New Mexico from Boulder to try and get a fake ID. And and he got popped for it. It was an undercover situation. So that scared the heck out of me when I was 16. I wasn't a long on-the-road trip. I just was told the... Well, this is the worst-case scenario. It's not that they just confiscate your driver's license. I didn't. I didn't pay the guy on Able for the the corner dorm guy who had the uh, the the fake ID kit set up in in 1996. My fifty dollars to get a fake ID. I found people that could hook me up end of discussion uh don't do that uh in all honesty but in seriousness did did you have any buddies that that tried to pull this off or uh you're in a weird uh buffer zone when you're 1920 and you're waiting to be 21 in college to go have a beer did anyone ever dress up tiktok style everyone's wearing a mask now maybe this is the new Disguise and they figure they can get beer before they're uh, really able
3: legally to purchase it, Damon. Well, I, I don't think I ever had the, the confidence or the guts to go full McLovin' into a liquor store. Right. But, but I, I did know a guy who, he, just, he had a, a fake, allegedly, and he just goes up to the bar, and they're like, this is fake, and he's like, no, it's not. And they're like, okay, this officer's going to scan your ID. He's like, okay, it's real. And then the officer scans the ID, and he's like, yeah, this is fake, you're getting a ticket. Mm-hmm. Just leave. Just leave the bar. <laughs> that's that's it. I yeah, mean, I shouldn't say just, that's it, but so the guy tried really to pull one off. Really he kept, stupid he kept, attempt. He, he kept denying, he denying, like, denying. No, it'll scan. It it didn't scan. <laughs> so so he went full McLovin. <laughs> he did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now the the the, the police are awesome, but the, the police weren't. Uh, the, the police in. In, uh in super bad G- cool right not that cool no they were they weren't that cool, but man uh fakes are are stupid just be patient, don't buy underage this public service announcement brought to you by Hale City Radio, but in all seriousness if, if think about it man if you're if you're IDing somebody and, and we still got to get checked out if I'm buying some Tito's or something it it at the at the store. I, I've got to have the cashier, even at the self-checkout, dial in my 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 birth date. So if you're wearing a mask, maybe your eyes look old. Maybe you're a little wrinkly at the eyes. I don't know. And maybe 20, your eyes
3: look older. As a 21-year-old, the mask always is like, "Oh man, are they gonna are they gonna actually believe I'm 21? I'm wearing the mask. I look kind of young."
2: Yeah, you do, and that's okay. You're gonna love it in five years. You're gonna love it in ten years uh if if they keep um, keep doing their thing with you on that. So let's get into a little bit of recruiting. And uh Nebraska able to add a uh, walk on to their class of 2020. He's a three star and uh his name is Jaquez Yant. He's out of Tallahassee, Florida, Goodby High School. And uh with Yant, he's a guy, and I watched some of his film a little bit earlier when this news uh came down. And the guy's size is is pretty impressive. He's six foot, maybe a little bit uh, over six foot. And he's about 185, but he looks looks thicker and heavier than that. He just does. Hang on a second. Gertie, lay down. Quiet. This was a bad idea, Damon. This was absolutely a bad idea. Let's do a patio show. It's pleasant. It's nice out. The kids downstairs. The dogs are in back with me. Forgive me on that. Uh, back to Yant. Uh, listen, anytime you can get a guy that's that's got a three star rating, which Yant does, not only into your program from from Florida, from from Tallahassee, that's a teammate with Keyshawn Green, but if you can get a guy like that to walk on, it, it's it's pretty nice. Now. I think Nebraska was probably originally looking at him as more of, as a kind of a thumper in the box, safety, or linebacker. But his highlight film is, is pretty nice. He's a big back. He has some explosiveness to him. He's really shifty. I mean, when I look at Yance's film as a running back, he does a good job taking the handoff out of the zone read and then just gets to the the outside shoulder of the offensive lineman and is shifty enough to avoid a tackle, but he's got enough leg drive, at least per this high school film, that he runs through quite a few tackles, and he is pretty much a punisher inside the 5, inside the 10, when this high school wanted to go heavy and hand off with a full house backfield uh the the line that he played for did a nice job of paving the way but uh yant did a good job of powering forward uh damon no one really got a clean shot on the kid and i think uh it, it's a, it's a wonderful pickup now 25 walk-ons for nebraska for the 2020 class and that's something that's uh that's nice uh, the other schools that were that were interested in Yant, I mean, we're talking Ole Miss, we're talking Florida, and uh, also UAB, Nebraska able to get him as a walk-on. I think the problem is, is and I don't have this officially, but uh, Yant was one of those guys that maybe was going to have to go the Juco route because of academics, and things got cleared up in time for him. So is able to walk on, and if he can kind of wow factor it, so be it. And I think of a couple of guys that are on different sides of the ball. Uh, I think of Janovich, how good a ball player he was and how early he played, even though he was a walk on. And I think of Jared Tomich. Uh, Jared Tomich just wasn't a guy that, that had a lot of uh, film because of where he was from but he was an All-American and a third-round NFL pick, and Nebraska's been been legendary in their history at finding guys to go walk on. I am hip. Mike Babcock was talking about him. And guys that will go earn a scholarship and, and be not only a contributor, but a, a special player in all-conference, and in Tomich's case, an case All-American. So when it comes to academic eligibility... Um, those things had been adjusted for Yant due to the COVID-19 pandemic so that eligibility question got answered that's uh, a win for Nebraska when it comes to dealing with this pandemic be- dealing with COVID-19 and it's nice for Nebraska to uh, to get a guy the caliber here of uh, Jaquiz Yant uh, out of Tallahassee, Florida so Nebraska's pretty full at running back. Let's see if he's a linebacker or a safety. Or maybe they just throw him at running back and see what shakes out. On the horizon for Nebraska is Marquise Buford. And Greg Smith from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine i will have much more on Buford. But uh, Buford is one of the top-rated athletes in the country. Buford's a guy that is from Trinity Hill, Christian, out of Cedar Hills, Texas. I think that's the same high school as Maurice Washington. And it's uh, where Deion Sanders is at or, or was at. And I look at Buford and uh, Cal and Iowa State and Old Miss are uh, really interested in him along with Texas A&M. But uh, Buford's a guy that Nebraska's been in a lot of contact with. They've rec- recruited him pretty heavily and we'll see if all that work pays off. You get a guy that is dynamic, like a Marquise Buford. You add him to that, uh, That they have that athlete tag, but you add him to, you know, the cornerback spot. That could be a big win for Nebraska for 2021. 20, we'll see where Nebraska goes. We'll see what Marquise Buford decides to do uh, Saturday, uh, if you want to set your phone time for it. Uh, 316, 316 Central Time for Marquise Buford out of Cedar Hill, Texas. Is he the next for Nebraska? Nebraska needs to get another cornerback, and uh, we'll see if Buford's the guy. Coming up, Phil Steele is going to join us. Uh, Mr. College Football does great work with the Phil Steele College Football Preview. He has put a ton of work in. It's been a weird year to say the least. And uh, Phil Steele will uh, join us and give us thoughts on Nebraska, the Big Ten West, the Big Ten East. That is going to happen here. We have two segments with Phil Steele. The full Big Ten Monty is going to be nice. Gary Barnett will join us at 5. And uh, we'll catch up with Brandon Vogel and Danny Burke in Hour 2. Hail Varsity uh, on the patio today. As uh, Phil Steele, next Hail Varsity continues, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back.
1: Fellas, so, think we could listen to the radio on Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
2: Yes! That's awesome! Back to you, Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. You know it's football season. We hope it's football season when. It's time to talk with Phil Steele, Mr. College Football himself, and the college football preview is out on your newsstands, and hopefully in your mailbox can get a hold of that, philsteele.com, and find Phil on Twitter at philsteele042. And we say hi to Mr. College Football. Phil, what's up? Good to talk with you. How you doing?
4: Hey, I am doing great, Chris. How about yourself today?
2: We're good. We are good. Just hoping for... For uh, for football, man, and I know it's it's been uh, maddening for a lot of us that cover the sport to, uh, to play this waiting game. And I want to ask you, Phil, as we dive in, how did you navigate this off season as you put your data, your information? You talked to all the coaches. What's that feedback been like for you with them?
4: Uh you know I was I I enjoyed talking to the coaches cuz there's a lot of positivity there in fact uh, the coaches you know a lot of them hey, you know, coach, tough luck. You didn't get spring practice. And they're pretty much like what they preach during the season, next man up. You know, they're like, hey, you know what? We didn't get spring practice. A lot of teams didn't get spring practice. We did get in winter conditioning. We'll be fine. Put the football on the field. We'll play. And uh, we'll be we'll be as close to good as possible. And uh, I think these coaches are all, almost all in the same vein in the fact of, uh, yeah, and it's what you'd expect out of a coach, Chris, you know, next man up. Yeah, you know, we're going to get it done, and uh, whatever you throw in my path, it doesn't matter.
2: That's the mindset you got to have. Phil Steele's with us talking college football here, varsity radio, and Nebraska got a couple of practices in for spring, but uh, things got shut down due to the pandemic. And I want to start off with Nebraska. I know we spoke last year, and you had the Huskers circled as your most improved team for twenty nineteen. Uh, You're on the money with that traditionally, and Nebraska surprised a lot of people last year. What what made Nebraska, in your estimation, stub their toe so often a season ago?
4: Well, you know, I think it was a couple of different factors. Number one, I believe Adrian Martinez getting banged up and not having the type of season that he had just back in 2018 as a freshman. I think that was one big difference, whereas in 18, Adrian Martinez was a dynamic playmaker. Last year, 10 touchdown passes, 9 interceptions, uh, and didn't run for as many yards. A little banged up during the course of the year, and you could see it in his play. Uh, the second one was there, there was some close losses. You go back to that Colorado game, Chris, and, and after the third quarter, I felt pretty good about Nebraska. They're just pretty much dominating the football game, and then all of a sudden, in overtime, they're, they're losing the game on a field goal. They had a couple other close losses last year. Indiana, Purdue, both close losses with Iowa kicking that 51-yard field goal in the wind and rain to beat them by three. So there were some close losses out there, but overall, I was disappointed naturally in the performance uh, out of Nebraska. And Usually, my number one most improved team is that most improved team, and, and the Husband Nebraska's let me down last year.
2: Nebraska's trying to bounce back. In your conversation with with Coach Frost, I mean, what stuck out to you uh, about the outlook for 2020 from from his point of view? And as you crunch some of the numbers, what do you think of the Big Red in 2020?
4: Well, as far as Coach Frost goes, uh, you know, there's about 20 coaches I did not talk to this year. And Coach Frost was one of them, gotcha. so I did not get to go over the team uh, with him. But when I look at the uh, Nebraska, you know, uh, this year you have to look at good depth of quarterback. I like the fact that Martinez is, of course, back, and hopefully will regain the 2018 form. Uh, Luke McCaffrey, I think, is a solid backup quarterback and one that should be ready to play. Uh, it was good to get his feet wet last year in the games that he did playing four games as a true frosh. He'll be much better prepared as a redshirt frosh. Looking at the running back position. You know, Dedrick Mills was coming from the Georgia Tech offense, which was a different type, of, different style of offense, coming from a JUCO. And in the first half of the year, he wasn't dynamic. But second half of the year, that's when JUCOs usually come on. That's when Dedrick Mills came on. And uh, I think we're going to see him continue to be one of the better running backs in the Big Ten. Plus, he got good depth there with Ramir Johnson, Ronald Tompkins. The receiving core uh, loses Spielman, but I like Wandale Robinson. Too bad he wasn't around for the full year last year because he's a dynamic athlete. Omar Manning being added, my number 19 rated uh, wide receiver coming out of junior college this year. Could be a Big time addition there. The offensive line looks solid and probably my biggest question mark on the team, Chris, is going to be that defensive line. Uh, practically the entire unit gone from last year, some pretty good players and, you know, let's face it, Nebraska's defense has not been that black shirt type of defense in recent years so they're going to have to show improvement over allowing 389 yards per game, much more so than they did last year.
2: Phil Steele's with us. Few minutes talking uh, Big Ten and Nebraska College Football 2020. Phil, you look at Nebraska's schedule, and and we don't know what that's going to officially look like as we talk. Uh, But if it sticks to it and it's still just conference, Nebraska's schedule is uh, very difficult in conference, and that close is a great opportunity, but it could be a bear to try and navigate with their final five. What, what sticks out to you about Nebraska's schedule as, as you view it here going into this year?
4: Yeah, if we're looking at conference only, you have to think Nebraska has a real good chance of being favored over Purdue in the first Big Ten game. Uh, The Northwestern game, I'm saying be careful of this Northwestern. They're one of my most improved teams this year. They're my number two most improved team. And just two years ago, they were playing in the Big Ten title game. And they've got uh, Ramsey, a quarterback from Indiana, a big plus. And their defense last year was actually in the top 20 in college football. And has nine starters back, so including Patty Fisher at linebacker. That's going to be a tough game, week two. Then hosting Illinois, they'll be favored. At Rutgers, they'll be favored. So, great start to the Big Ten schedule. But as you alluded to, that the five games at the end of the schedule are just brutal. In fact, you know the top two teams in the Big Ten East this year are Ohio State and Penn State. Nebraska draws them both, at Ohio State, home against Penn State, then play the top two teams perhaps in the Big Ten West at Iowa, at Wisconsin. That's four road trips in five weeks. And wrap it all up with Minnesota, a team that almost won the Big Ten West last year. That is a brutal final five games for Nebraska.
2: Phil, as we zoom out and talk Big Ten West a little bit, you've already touched on Northwestern as they... Just didn't get enough offense generated a season ago. They had quarterback issues. Ramsey, I think, uh, he was great when he came to Lincoln. He did a wonderful job getting a start and pulling out the win in Lincoln in a shootout ball game. So, Ramsey with that Northwestern offense, I think, could make them something to, to deal with. What's your feel with Wisconsin and where are you at with Minnesota? Does Minnesota, does Minnesota take. That next step, they were great last year at 11-2, and two, but they didn't win the division. Could they knock off Wisconsin, or is it still Wisconsin's uh, West division to to crown?
4: Yeah, and I want to throw Iowa into the mix as sure. well. I think they're a good enough team to get in there. We'll start with Minnesota. Uh, in Minnesota, I would say, at the midway point last year, was pretty fortunate the to get to 5-0, and 6-0 because uh, you know you look at barely getting past South Dakota State, Fresno State, Georgia Southern games they could easily have lost needed late fourth quarter comebacks to win uh, beaten Purdue by 7 but Purdue lost their starting quarterback and All-American Rondell Moore on the one play in the first quarter and that really helped them out in that game uh, but then they got better as the season went on and uh, granted they lost at Iowa and got beat by Wisconsin by 21 at home but they really impressed me in a bowl game against Auburn uh, where they had a uh, outstanding 23-13 uh, first down edge. Offensively, no questions. Tanner Morgan, big offensive line. Muhammad Ibrahim at running back. Audman Bell and Bateman at wide receiver. They're great. Defensively, I have some questions. They only have four starters back. Lose a lot of the top players, including Antoine Winfield, Kamal Martin, Thomas Barber. In fact, five of the top six tacklers are all gone for Minnesota's defense. So how quickly that unit comes around. Will they catch the same breaks they did last year, winning a lot of close games? That would be my biggest question mark with Minnesota. My biggest question mark with Iowa is what did Kirk Ferentz do to the Big Ten schedule maker? Because you look at Iowa, they've got a good team this year, 16 returning starters. And let's remember, while they were 10-3 and three last year, their three losses were by 7, 5, and 2 points. That puts them just a handful of plays away from being undefeated last year. They were that good. And this year, they, they are very good as well. They lose their quarterback, but they're talented. Uh, but look at the schedule. They have to play at Ohio State at Penn State, and they not only play both of the top two teams, they play them both on the road, and guess what? They play them in back-to-back weeks, and Ohio State's off a bye and Penn State's off a bye, so really a rough scheduling advantage for Iowa there. They also have to play, of course, Wisconsin at the end of the year, but I think they're a legitimate contender in the Big Ten West, and then wrap it all up with Wisconsin. I think everybody expected Wisconsin to maybe step back last year not be as dominant as normal. They were picked third by the Big Ten media. I believe I picked them third in the West as well last year then they come out and just absolutely ramshackle the first six teams they play four shutout wins and dominate they gave away a late comeback loss to illinois it gave ohio state a good game for three quarters and lost and how about the big ten title game wisconsin rallied to win the west and then there they are in the big ten title game and they're leading that thing 21 to 10 at the half it looked like they were going to win the big ten title they've got 15 returning starters coming back my biggest question marks for them are three players uh, they lose Jonathan Taylor, a running back, a 2,000 yard rusher. They lose Chris Orr and Zach Bond, at linebacker. And those guys combined for 23 sacks last year. How do they replace those three will determine it. But, you know, like I said, last year, Wisconsin only had 11 returning starters. They were number 95 on my experience chart. They're actually more experienced this year.
2: Wisconsin looks, uh, again, like the team to beat. And you uh, highlighted three major voids with uh that wisconsin team but coach uh, well uh, A.D. alvarez and, and coach chris seem to, to reload they've got a phenomenal development system going up at wisconsin any surprises any 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 dark horse out of the west that, that could make a run i know you, you've you touched on northwestern but is there a surprise team to look out for in the west uh that, that maybe could shake things up
4: yeah, and I think that team is Northwestern. I touched on them earlier, but I'll, I'll take a little deeper dive right now. Bringing in Peyton Ramsey on offense is big. Uh, also, this is a team that's got 10 returning starters on offense, so it's a veteran group. You look at them up front. Uh, Coach Fitzgerald uh, loves this unit. Rashawn Slater at left tackle is one of the best left tackles in the country. Gunnar Vogel gives him size at that right tackle spot. Four returning starters. Uh, up front and they add in uh, Peter Skaranski at center and I think this true freshman is going to step in and be one of those um true freshmen that play extremely well uh, as a true frosh. And then defensively, they didn't need to improve. Uh, last year, they only allowed 336 yards per game, and that was with six returning starters. Nine starters are back. Patty Fisher, middle linebacker. Ernest Brown, defensive end. Sam Zammedup Miller, the other defensive end, also back this year. All three guys have NFL capabilities, as do cornerback Greg Newsom and safety J.R. Pace. So this is a very good Northwestern defense. And remember, Pat Fitzgerald had and into last year, was on a 15-1 and run against Big Ten foes. So I like that. I like the, the fact that uh, Fitzgerald's got a veteran team to work with this year as opposed to last year when he didn't. And they are my surprise team in the Big Ten West.
2: More with Phil Steele, uh, Mr. College Football, and good insight from him on the Big Ten West. He... Loves him some Northwestern, man. The bounce back for Coach Fitz and company. Uh, Some nice thoughts on Nebraska. We'll look at the Big Ten East with Phil Steele. And that's that's coming up here as Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's
1: in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on
2: Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taught pre-teen Swedish boy. Phil Steele's with this Hale Varsity Radio. Phil, going to go to the east side and, and get a couple of thoughts. Uh, Ohio State uh, looks loaded. I know they got to replace a lot, but w- where are you at? Was it much of a tug of war with Ohio State, Penn State? Because I know uh, Coach Franklin has a, has a great defense returning as well.
4: Yeah, it was a little nip and tuck because Penn State gets that game at home, keep in mind. You know, and when you look at Ohio State, and I could point this out among any of the national prospects there this year, Chris, there are a couple of flaws you could point out. Running back I'm running back depth I'm concerned with. They bring in Trey Sermon from Oklahoma, but Master Teague hurt his Achilles, and then who's the next back there? Is it Steele Chambers? Uh, is it Marcus Crowley? Is it uh, Demario McCall? We don't know. And so the, the running back depth a little bit of a question. What isn't a question is quarterback Justin Fields. I mean, he answered all my questions last year, Chris. I wondered if he could read defenses. Well, 41 touchdowns, <laughs> three interceptions. Uh, yeah, put a check mark by that box. And then on the offensive line, they returned Myers, Davis, and Munford up front. All three guys turned down. The NFL opted to return. Who's going to replace Chase Young on defense? Well, you know, last year they lost a lot of guys to the NFL and then lost Jonathan Cooper at the start of the year. Cooper's back this year. Uh, I think the defensive line will be good. The linebacking corps might be the most veteran group in the country with Browning, Borland, Warner, and Hilliard, all seniors that have all started. And then the secondary, they just reload in that area. But you touched on Penn State. And, you know, I, I want to go back, and I've talked to Coach Franklin each of his seven years at Penn State. and What a remarkable job building this team James Franklin has done. You go back to the first year I talked to him, and they were coming off probation, they might have had you know, a walk-on starter somewhere with lots of walk-ons in the two deep, lack of depth, lack of scholarships. Their offensive line was a mismatch unit with no depth. And now this year going over the team with them, I commented to him when I was talking to him, I'm like, this is a whole different animal, Coach. I mean, they go three deep at every position. And I'm not just talking players' names. We're talking about highly touted guys coming out of high school that are now third string and just chomping at the bit to get in. It's almost like an Ohio State situation for him. So he's done a great job recruiting. Recruiting. You touched on the defense, Chris. Oh way up front at the defensive end spot, Shelton at nose, to nose guard. The other defensive end, Shaka Tony, and then maybe the best linebacker in the game and Micah Parsons. You can go a long way with the good defense. They've got a strong offensive line, a veteran unit with almost everybody back. They've got Sean Clifford. And then how about a running back core that goes six deep in talent? So they do have the talent to contend with Ohio State. And keep in mind, three years ago, they lost to Ohio State by one point. Two years ago, they lost to Ohio State by one point. Last year, I did lose by 11, but made it a one-score game in the fourth quarter. I think Penn State's a threat to Ohio State, but I did go with the Buckeyes.
2: Where's Michigan at and, and, and Sparty, and let's talk Indiana as we round out the, the Big Ten East. Uh, can Indiana replicate what they did? Does Harbaugh surprise and you, you're starting, I don't want to say over, but I mean, D'Antonio did such an amazing job with Michigan State in his career. Uh, you know where's that program headed? You know at this point in time.
4: Yeah, let's talk about those three. We'll start with Michigan. I think their window to win the Big Ten was last year. Hmm. I mean, they had a veteran team. Ohio State had an experienced team. Ohio State had a brand new head coach in Ryan Day. Ohio State was coming off a season where they were, they had been 13-1 in 2018, Chris, but they weren't a 13-1 team. They had so many narrow escapes during the course of the year. You remember the Nebraska oh, game, yeah. only a five-point win. They beat Maryland in overtime. Maryland missed a two-point conversion. Uh, they had other close games throughout the year. It seemed like every game, the Penn State game, they won by a single point. And their defense in 2018, gave up 403 yards per game, the most in Ohio State history. So I thought Michigan could actually win the Big Ten last year. I was wrong. Ohio State, with Ryan Day, was two touchdowns better than the 2018 version. And Ohio State had to travel to Michigan last year. This year, Ohio State gets them at home. And Michigan, by the way, drops from number 43 on my experience chart all the way down to number 130. So I think window closed. I don't see them winning the Big Ten. Now, they're not going to be a bad team, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be your typical Jim Harbaugh squad. Eight or nine wins this year if they play 12. If not, let's say two, three, four losses for them. Now, the team that could challenge Michigan for that number three spot in the East is Indiana. And you want to talk about a coach building the program. Tom Allen's doing a phenomenal job. And he's not doing it with just players out there. He's got NFL caliber players in the defense. Uh, you're looking at players like Jerome Johnson at nose tackle, Cam Jones at weak side linebacker, Marcel Anil Ball at the uh, Husky position, Reese Taylor at corner. There's a lot of talent on that defensive side of the ball, and if he can keep Michael Penix healthy, they've got a dynamic quarterback. Stevie Scott at running back, one of the better, more underrated running backs in the Big Ten. Wap Billyor is a threat at receiver, and the offensive line looks solid this year. Plus, they got. Peyton Hendershot, the uh, top-notch tight end, one of the best in the country. So, Indiana, I think, gives Michigan a run for that number three spot. And then, on the other end of the spectrum is Michigan State. And, you know, all year, Chris, I've been talking to uh, the coaches, and as mentioned, if you're an experienced head coach with an experienced team, it's like a blip, missing spring practice. Mm -hmm. We can handle it. But if you're a brand new head coach with zero spring practices, you're in a tough situation, unless you inherit a veteran team. Well, Michigan State's not a veteran team. They only have 10 returning starters this year, and zero spring practices. At least most first-year head coaches got to bring in a freshman class where they know those players. Mel Tucker took the job after the freshman mm-hmm. class was signed, so you're talking about a major tough situation. Didn't have a single practice with these players. Doesn't really know the players on the team. I think Michigan State, after three straight winning years, three straight bowls, I do think they take a step back this year. In fact, it's been nine bowls in the last ten years. Uh, I think they're going to struggle to try to make a bowl game this year with the the situation that Mel Tucker's been tossed into.
2: Phil, last thought. Phil Steele's with us. Uh, talking College Football 2020 Big Ten philsteele.com. It's where you can log on and order the uh, the football yearbook for 2020. Get to your newsstand of course at philsteele042 is where you follow Phil on Twitter. When it comes to if we get a college football playoff uh, or you look at the, some of the New Year's Day Six Bowls, uh, we're, we're hopeful that all happens. Uh, that said, how well positioned is the Big Ten to maybe get two teams in a playoff uh, when you look at the Penn State-Ohio State setup?
4: You know, I think, Chris, if we do go to a conference-only play this year, which is a distinct possibility, yeah. it's going to be tough for any conference to get two teams in there because you can't compare conference versus conference. And I think you'll probably end up with four conference champs. So, uh, But Penn State does give. A legitimate threat to that because Penn State's a quality team. I think they're a top eight, top seven team this year, and Ohio State's up there as well. And, you know, if the other conferences beat themselves up and you've got a two-loss champ or a three-loss champ, then the possibility exists. But I think the Big Ten's best shot at getting two teams into the playoff will be Ohio State, one, and Penn State, two.
2: Phil, it's always a pleasure. We hope to catch up in the fall at some point, and Thanks again for your insight and uh, the chance to chat again.
4: Hey, always a pleasure talking football with you, Chris. And let's definitely talk football during football season this year. Let's bring some optimism to the program. And uh, let's say we're playing football this year and we'll talk
2: mid-season. Huh, my friend? That sounds good. You take care, Phil. All
4: right, Chris. Thank you.
2: Got to love it, Mr. College Football. That is Phil Steele at Phil Steele. 042 on uh, Twitter is where you follow him, his college football yearbook. Man, he's got a lot of love and deservedly so for Ohio State. But that Ohio State-Penn State game, if we get it, going to be another must-see. Better thoughts on Nebraska. Catch that uh, full interview with Phil Steele on the Big Ten. You can go to ESPNLincoln.com. Uh, it'll also be posted on Twitter at ESPN Lincoln Twitter handle. A quick timeout will wind down hour one with Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now... And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Winding down this first hour, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, on the patio today, watching a little bit of the memorial. Jack Nicholson uh, getting... Clearly not interviewed for this. I said Nicholson, not Nicholas. (laughs) I've never done that. I've done that now. That's horrific. But uh, Jack is wearing a tie and is nice and comfortable and and air conditioned. We're out on the patio at Casa de Schmidt. Damon Barr back in studio. Gary Barnett's going to be with us. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll uh, spend some time with Brandon Vogel and then uh, the Pride of Chicago Danny Burke will be with us. So we have an extended uh, set of guidelines issued by the NCAA. That's been issued today by Mr. Emmert and company to help navigate the return to fall sports during the pandemic. And uh, this was a statement from Mark Emmert, although testing and contact tracing infrastructures expanded considerably The variations in approach to reopening America for business and reaction, and I should say recreation, are uh, correlated with a uh, considerable spike in cases in recent weeks. So they're, uh, they're a little queasy about that, which I understand. The NCAA's guidelines released today include testing strategies for all athletic activities that includes preseason testing, regular season testing, postseason testing along with daily self-health checks, the use of face coverings and social distance during training, competition and uh, that being practiced on the uh, time frame that they're outside of, of athletic competition and any recommendations that uh, uh, come forth forward when it comes to a safe return to sport will depend on the trajectory of COVID-19. So that means that there can't be tens of thousands of people being infected. And, you know, we can we can talk about folks that come down with COVID. We can also talk about folks that are hospitalized and what what does a region's hospitalization look like versus the fact that somebody's tested positive the NCAA is is concerned we're all concerned about folks who get sick from COVID and the the liability aspect and accountability aspect is is the freak out point for the NCAA they they don't want anyone to get sick or worse but they don't want to be responsible by allowing sports to happen and have someone come back and hold them liable for wrongful death so, the recommendation on a pathway towards safe return to play that's going to depend on that trajectory of COVID spread. Uh, that from the NCAA chief medical op- officer, the idea of sports uh, resocialization is predicated on a scenario of a reduced or flattened infection rate. So, they're going to go off of is your region getting infected? Is your town infected? What's your state look like? What's your state government? What's their take on things? That's going to be the, uh, the plan of attack, and that's the statement from the NCAA. We'll get some thoughts from Gary Barnett, how he would handle uh, this pandemic. What's the outlook from him with the conferences, his take on the Big Ten's decision to go conference only? And uh, can this get pulled off? Get his thoughts on Joel Klatt's idea. You make it an 18-week season, but you do 10 games, so you're playing every other week. Gary Barnett's next. Hour 2, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Great to have you back. Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Got a little bit of the memorial on. Uh, the TV, we're outdoors today. Uh, a little patio set up, getting ready for this weekend. And uh, the Tyson, Tysons teeing off for Treasures. Golf outing to uh, to benefit and raise awareness and funds for pediatric brain cancer. Excited to do that this weekend. Excited to talk some college football with the longtime coach at Colorado and Northwestern. We say hi to Gary Barnett, coach. How's your day going?
5: Oh, uh, it's going pretty well, Chris. What's going on there?
2: You know the uh, the dogs are staring at the gate. They're threatening to make a run for it, even though they can't open it and i wouldn't be surprised by the german shepherd she can do about everything and anything so uh, i may have to cut this short and and show off my 40 time which would make both of us laugh
5: (laughs) well i just finished uh playing with bob church great husker all big eight quarterback from years ago how was that uh, man uh, you know what? We play we play three or four times a week. And uh, okay. I'll tell you what was really hard for me is I had touched uh, tough Tony Davis in here the other day and another oh, friend of Bobs who played earlier. So I had to play with three Huskers in one day. So, <laughs> so I won? just told him it was part of my community service <laughs> assignment that I had to play with three oh. guys from Nebraska.
2: You know, I like, uh, I like bump into to tough Tony from time to time. We saw him in Boulder and... What a what a great ball player and and Bob of course at quarterback and that's pretty. Good. You bump into it. Let me ask you this: You're in, you're in Arizona and you know there's a lot of Nebraskans that are that are in Colorado as well. But do you bump into? Are you surprised by the number of Nebraskans you bump into?
5: Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and they're so proud to have been a, a Nebraska football player mm-hmm. or associated with Nebraska football. So it's really cool, you know, to, to really <clears throat> to be able to feel and be around, um, you know, such a such a passionate group of followers. And, you know, Bob and I talk college football all the time. And uh, actually, during my broadcast, he texts me. <laughs> uh, about this or that, so I've, I text him back during the broadcast. But uh, he, he's become a great friend, and, you know, we're both just, you know, we love college football, and we just so hope it gets played this year.
2: You uh, read my mind with uh, th- that hope, and, Coach, we have, uh, you know, this is Groundhog Day on the topic of, hey, are they going to play, or are they not going to play? Nobody knows, but since we last talked, how do you feel Today and it's been a while. So, what's your takeaway here with what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have done with going to to conference only? I'm a a week late on the question, but I'd still like your thoughts on it. And um, you know, can can this get salvaged? Can we still put together a season?
5: You know, Chris, I don't really think so. Um, I I just I just don't think there's any way that it works. and i think i don't think anybody's telling us that I, everybody has to hold out hope and everybody's mm-hmm. got to have plan a, plan b and plan c for this thing but i really do believe that it's 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 going to be spring football and it's going to be played in the spring and it's going to be televised and we're going to make the most of it um i don't i certainly yeah, I, and I say that with 97% certainty, but I'm I'm like everybody else. I'm in I, that 3% I'm holding on to and hoping it there's some way it can work, but I just don't see how the numbers can work. I mean, alone in the Pac-12, you've got both Arizona schools, all four uh, California schools um, are probably, there's no way they're going to play. So you've got, Two Washington schools, two Oregon schools, Colorado and Utah, trying to to play, and um, and maybe it's a little different uh, in the Big Ten, but I, I don't think so. When you look at all the numbers and things that are happening, I just think it's really going to be a tough, tough, tough thing to have happen that we have. football Gary Barnett's in fall.
2: with us, Hale Varsity Radio, and and that's that's the feel we can we can put off and we can be patient and you can delay the start do you get a, a, a game in do you think or is this going to be you know uh, uh, one league's going to say we're out and the rest of the of the, the league will leagues will follow suit the the way I feel i I think the the SEC is kind of heck bent on playing, and and they're also open to spring because it's it's nice there in in you know right. year round right. in the SEC footprint and a lot of the Big Twelve, Big Ten, is not in the spring. The the Big Twelve is is pretty nice in in some of the areas uh, in the uh, the spring, as is the Pac-12. How would you juggle this on your plate, Coach Barnett, having to shift to spring ball, where you're not just prepping and repping? It's let's play ball for real. How would you do it?
5: Well, I think it depends on where you are. And in in the case of Colorado, with Carl Durrell coming in, uh, (laughs) I've never even had a practice with his players um, at all. Never even seen him in workouts. So for him, playing a spring ball schedule, or spring schedule, probably uh, is a benefit for him. But you take a team like Clemson, uh, who's poised to win another national championship, they have all these guys coming back, all the teams that have veteran players, Alabama, veteran coaches, you know, for them, it's a missed opportunity to not play in the fall because they have a decided advantage. But going into the spring, then... And depends on how your recruiting works, how many guys can come on campus, whether they can work into the system, how soon you start. There's a lot of ifs there. But you've got to you, – you know, these coaches today, they really have to have three plans. They have to have one if they uh, play in the fall and be ready to have teams forfeit in the middle of a week uh, to only play – and you think you're going to play 11 or 12 games and only playing six? What's that really net you? Um, but I think America needs sports right now. They need to see sports on television. And I, everybody wants to make it work. But I, I think to answer your question, uh, you really start planning for a spring season. And if you're in the Big Ten, you play it as late as you can. Uh, the SEC, probably play it any time you want pac twelve probably can play most most of the time, but um, everybody's going to have a, may have a little bit different schedule to play here. And of course, it all comes down to TV. You know what's TV willing to pay for, and what are they willing to put on put on the air?
2: Coach, uh, look at Nebraska. Uh, from what you've seen of Nebraska and Coach Frost going into year three, if it is a spring season is this a positive thing for Nebraska or a negative thing uh because they aren't getting to, to to play ball they didn't get a spring football season either but where the programs at and trying to go what does a spring season mean for Nebraska in your opinion
5: Well I think it depends on whose eyeglasses you're looking through but let's you know let's assume uh, if we do play this year then and we're just in Nebraska's case they're just going to play a a Big 10 schedule. They're going to have to pick up Michigan, Michigan State or Maryland. Now, you know, Maryland is a is a r- real good chance to win. The other two are going to be more difficult. Doesn't mean, they can't win, but um if you if you don't have to do that this fall and you can wait till the spring and get that much more time under your belt before you play a full schedule. I think it benefits a team like Nebraska. It takes a little bit of a pressure off. It depends on how they feel they're going to be going into the season. If they are looking at we're going to fight for a six and six season or a five and five season, then you know what? It's probably better that they wait till the spring. Um, it just you know what it comes down to Chris. It really comes down to how much money everybody can afford to lose. Uh, in Nebraska's case, they probably lose around ninety-six million dollars. The number I saw. If they don't play in the fall, uh, ne- oh, Ohio State's going to lose over a hundred thousand dollars. Colorado would probably lose, you know, hundred. I don't mean a hundred thousand, but um, right, hundred you know, million, hundred million, hundred million. $100 million. Uh, Colorado would probably lose fifty million. And so, where do you make that up? How do you make that up? Do you borrow it? Uh, and if so. Um, you've got to have some, you know, Title Nine's going to be an issue in there somewhere. You're going to get relief from Title Nine? You know, that's an issue I haven't heard anybody talk about, but once you once you don't have fall football, then no. a, a funding of a lot of sports in most schools becomes a real issue. And then Title Nine requires you to fund everybody at the same level, uh, and we all know that the only reason to play a spring football schedule would be to make up for some of that lost revenue. Uh, nobody else is going to make up for that, that revenue other than football. So you're going to probably need some sort of federal relief from Title IX restrictions. Is that going to happen? So, there, you know, there's a lot of things going on that each coach has to take into consideration
2: that 's a large domino that that just yeah. led into to many more dominoes. Do we need a college football czar or do you like how each conference is kind of looking out for themselves and with a regional approach to it because this this pandemic is affecting people differently uh nebraska's had a a, a, a spike in some numbers, but it 's still not bad, and I'm sensitive to to those that are that are sick with this. Uh, but from a hospitalization and a loss of life standpoint, Nebraska is in a way better spot than let's just say New Jersey and for sure Florida or Texas. Right. As you look at Arizona, I mean, I know you spend a lot of the time uh, down there. That's exploded. My folks are haven't gone back uh, to Arizona, and and then also when you're in Colorado, I mean. It's it's very difficult because it is not cookie-cutter, Coach. That's why I'm going to ask this question, from a from, and it makes sense from a dollars-and-cents standpoint, and I don't know if Nebraska would be able to pull this off, but say the Big Ten is going to try and move forward. Let's just walk down that line like, okay, we're going to have football or try and have football, but you have X number of, of teams on your schedule that can't play could you fill in your schedule with some regional teams, the Kansas schools or an Iowa State? Do you think the league would let that happen?
5: I think so. I think if, if the league wants football to happen and they realize the economic consequences of not playing, then I think everybody's going to bend a little bit in this deal. Nobody's going to be real. You can't be really strict at this point in time. And you know, everybody's, everybody's got to absorb and change and be willing to change and be flexible in these situations. So I, I would think that there could be some of that flexibility. Uh, the question about a czar, I think uh, probably this, this particular pandemic and what it's done with the NCAA and everything probably means that there should be a czar for Power Five conferences Uh, I don't know how you get that done but it seems to me that there ought to be one voice and uh, the NCAA's voice for for the schools at the Power Five and the financial losses that are out there for them versus those that are not in the Power Five it's you know it's night and day it's two different animals and then I think because of that you need probably some sort of a czar kind of a situation.
2: Coach, I'll let you get out on this, and uh, I need to know uh, who you think's going to win the memorial, who you're betting on, or you're pulling for, and have you been able to outdrive uh, De Chambeau recently?
5: Uh, I can't even outdrive him with
2: two shots. <laughs> Chris
5: right wow. now, so wow. I'm, I'm having a power outage i've I've called the Colorado <laughs> power company to see if they can help me, but uh no, you know I don't know who's going to win that thing, but it's I think it's sort of cool they're playing uh the same course two weeks in a row. Uh, I think they're gonna probably speed up the greens and make it tougher but uh I don't know who to pick in this doggone thing. you got a favorite
2: well i Tiger's not doing so well. Finau is at, at minus six right now, and I know it's just day one. Tiger, just uh, excuse me, that was Rory. Rory was, I think, even, and now he's two under. I'm going to be weak and go with uh, with Bryson. Uh, just, I think he's that hot, and I think he's hitting it that far. And I don't have a, a number. What do you know what he did today, or am I just all wet already with that? No, pitch? I
5: don't know, but I would, I would have to go with Bryson right now. I mean, nobody's hitting it further than he is, and. You know, he's just changing the game, which has already been changed to distance, but he's changing it even more. So, he's, you know, he's blowing it by everybody by 40 yards.
2: Tigers working on a birdie putt right now on the 18th to at least try and get in at one under. And bottom of the cup, Barney, uh, man, I tell you what, it looked like one of your putts that I see. (laughs)
5: <laughs> we have foam in the bottom of our cups so, so do we. we never get all the way to the bottom
2: <laughs> he drilled that <laughs> well coach you stay uh, safe and healthy and uh, thanks for jumping on and talking about this with us again and we'll, uh, we'll talk down the road you take care okay
5: you got it Chris talk later
2: alright there he is coach Gary Barnett with us on uh, Hale City radio uh, yeah I'm, I'm in a power outage that's hilarious we gotta call the Colorado Power Company that's funny man Barnett's uh, rolling around the golf courses and he's surrounded by Huskers that's good stuff Tiger drilled a long 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 putt vintage Tiger with that putter to go one under Brandon Vogel is going to be with us we'll talk some Big Ten Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery we're back,
1: fellas. So, think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by
2: the Nebraska Lottery.
6: Yes, that's awesome.
2: Back with you, it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Awesome, awesome stuff from Gary Barnett. He is an optimistic guy, but he is not optimistic about football until springtime. Going to hear that interview with Coach Barnett. It'll be posted. ESPNLincoln.com, the on-demand section. It'll be up on the uh, HailVarsity.com site for the podcast as well. And I got a kick out of the fact that Coach Barnett was, uh, as he as he put it, surrounded by Huskers <laughs> on the golf course. So that was uh, interesting. So, just to give you an update, we're doing the show in my backyard on the patio, uh, testing the equipment out for our uh, live show Saturday with uh, Tee Off for Treasures. Uh, that is coming up 7 to 9 a.m. Searles and his crew are going to be out and a chance to raise money and funds and awareness about pediatric brain cancer. Excited to do that. Uh, we are uh, testing the equipment out. It's been good. We've had to put the German Shepherd away because I think the last 20 minutes of the show, the back door has been wide open with the air conditioner going. And uh, she just wanted to to open the door because she can do that. We welcome in uh, Brandon Vogel from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Excited to talk some more ball with him. Vogues, how you doing? What's shaking on Thursday?
6: Oh, not a whole lot. Doing pretty well. Another day closer to something. I'm not sure what, but uh, (laughs) such are the times. (laughs) Uh,
2: Another day closer to disappointment. Can we utter that with a straight face?
6: Oh, yeah, we can order it with a straight face. Um, yeah. It's, uh, man, you just kind of look week to week and like, oh, here's how I felt a week ago. Here's how I feel now. Uh, it, uh, it's never the same.
2: So w- if, if we're going to look at Mark Emmert's statement, how much of the pin is still left in the grenade here?
6: <laughs> um, <clears throat> maybe about a third. I would say, I mean, That's, it was another, that, that, it, was that another much? What, <laughs> it was another way for, you know, kind of the powers of be to, to drive home that look, things are not trending the right way for this. Um, so it is what it is. You know, I think those guidelines that the NCA put out or recommendations, I guess, uh, to use the the official term made sense. Like when you thought about it, it's probably pretty close to what you came up with for, what a team might try and do. Um, so it, it, it's good that they're still putting those things in place. But the key part of that release was was the little little hint there that hey, uh, if, if the trends don't change, like there's no way this is starting on time. Which you know, you talk about how quickly things change. A week ago, the Big Ten announced it was moving to conference only. I was of the mind that oh, you're going to move like everything up and try and get as much in before the expected fall kind of second wave hits, but now you're I think you're looking at moving things back. So you can maybe hopefully get get in after the first wave kind of comes down a little bit.
2: Brandon Vogel's with us, Hailvarcity.com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogel's, you know, I understand that things are going the wrong way with infections and we need to, to pay attention to those infections can, can okay. honestly turn into hospital stays or worse I, I, I understand that but I also kind of like the take that's out there by some football coaches look if we push it off till spring we still may not get it let's it could get worse that's kind of a Harbaugh thought and I'm of the mindset, let's try and at least get a couple, three games in September 5th. Let's start it. Uh, Let's keep it to to maybe no fans or limited fans, depending on what your governor and and mayor of, of the region you're in say. And if the other team is willing to travel and feels okay with playing, let's do it because it's really awful in about four states where everybody recruits, that's horrible. um, Doesn't mean you should shut down what can happen in Lincoln or can happen in Columbus. I know Michigan's its own animal, but I I would like to see some patience on that. I I guess that's my thought versus going from bad to worse folks with uh, last week's statement that you can take different ways because people can get creative, Joel Clatt. Did you see that little Twitter Twitter blurb from him? He's like, "Let's make this thing go through December, but uh, you got every other week. That way, you have testing. That way, you have a seventy-two hour bubble to to test and make sure folks are okay. It can get it, it can get done, but again, the liability part of it's a big scare, especially from the NCAA. Yeah, that's
6: that's that's a key piece, you know. The the problem, I think, with if if you start relatively on time with pushing things too late, you know, the NTA has always been pretty hesitant to do that. Um, You know, who knows with, with whether schools will be in session. Like, I know a lot of schools initially plan to basically be done with in person classes after Thanksgiving, but you know, it, the other tricky part of this is, you know, the NTAs had like 50 years of kind of a court decision that helped define the term student-athlete. And it's really key to the whole amateurism debate. And you start looking at uh, getting getting players on campus where maybe the majority of students are not, um, asking them to go like full-on through December. I mean, I know teams still go through December, but there's a little bit of a break there. Um, it, it, it just becomes really easy to say – hey, are we football players or are we essential employees? And, I mean, I think we know, you know, most of us know what we're talking about here. Uh, it's been pretty clear that they're close to essential employees for a long time, and now we're just kind of underscoring and seeing how, how much that's the case uh, with with the revenue at stake. But the end, that's like the third rail for the NCAA. They can't go there. Um, so that's the other thing that kind of complicates this and it probably makes it difficult to just go the you know, full-on, like, December is a full month of the season, even though we're, like, super close to that already when you look at a team that might uh, be done the last Saturday in November and then play one of those early bowl games on December 26th.
2: Vogue's a thought with Nebraska and what, and I asked Coach Barnett this question, and he said, well, it depends what lens you're looking through. From a chance to, to hit pause and if you've got the green light to develop, and practice, I know Nebraska didn't get their spring practice, but what type of workouts and practicing can be held and can you have, if anything, if there isn't a season? Can you still, within your own football team, do something versus sitting idle? Could this be the the timeout, for lack of a better term, that Nebraska gets and needs to... Reload and regenerate and catch up. Nebraska's never, whoever's been the head coach, has been able, they've never been able to have a four and eight season. I mean, there's been them, but it's created a lot of stress. (laughs) There's no reset moment for a football program that's got 50 years of double digit wins, it feels like. Could this be a good thing? And would it benefit Nebraska from a development standpoint if they if they just have time with themselves, if that's allowed?
6: I I think so, Um, and I think that's because Nebraska's in kind of exactly the right spot for for that to be the case. Um, They they could certainly use that time. I think most teams could use that time, but also just kind of with the makeup of the team. So you've got kind of a – youth wave coming on defense anyway, which is what you have to replace. Uh, the offense returns everybody, but still is not very senior lad. Um, and you don't have, you know, guys right now that you would say, oh, that's 100% a surefire NFL draft pick. Um, so, you, I mean, if, if, if they don't play football until spring, like Hunter Lawrence is never, never playing football for Clemson again, you know? I mean, that's what you're looking at. Nebraska doesn't really have that. Um, it needs to get back to that point uh eventually um i'm sorry trevor Lawrence um needs to get back to that point eventually but they're not there yet so i think it's kind of a good spot for for nebraska if we have to go that way they could use that extra time and i don't think it costs them too much um at least with how we would look at it now
2: that's that's absolutely right do you trudge forward and play and how many games do you win, right? <laughs> in, in an already brutal schedule, and where's your team going to be at for future showdowns, be it Oklahoma or uh, matches against the Michigans and Ohio States before you before you you get that uh, that showcase game like we all wanted and then was on last night and cringed at. I don't know if you were watching ESPN, but. For some reason, someone uh, let one pass the goalie, and the old uh, 2019 Nebraska Ohio State game was on TV for two hours last evening.
6: <laughs> I, I'm surprised with you know editing a, a rebroadcast of again the they could get two hours out of it. Um, that one was over over pretty quick, and it uh, wasn't a whole lot <laughs> to see there in the second half. Um, so yeah, it's uh, you know I think. No, I, I, we'll we'll see at some point, I guess. Like I have a sense, and, and who knows, you know? Because we don't get to see it, we just kind of get little bits and pieces here and there. Like I feel like Nebraska seems to have done a pretty good job of maximizing this strange time that it's already yeah. had. Uh, so basically, the spring without football, and I think they could do that again. And then you add in the you know, it's just a, a roster that's still really young, kind of at the right point where it's like, oh, if we don't play now, then player a b and c are gone you know they don't have a ton of that so i I think they'd be okay
2: folks a quick thought on Jaquiz yant the walk-on from tallahassee uh kind of a surprise that nebraska's adding a a kid of his caliber but probably not a surprise knowing the connections coach fisher has do you think he stays in the running back room or do they look at him at Linebacker slash that in the box safety. I mean, he's a big kid that can move. What what's your reaction? I got about a minute here to to Yance move to Lincoln.
6: Yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of free money. Um, when you look at a guy who kind of had the interest level, he had a, a three star recruit, a guy who could easily be a, a scholarship recruit at, at Nebraska or or similar Power Five schools. Be able to get that guy to walk on. And, and you know, to have a connection with with some of his teammates who are uh, in the class as well, you know, you probably got a pretty good sense of them. You know, you go to Florida, recruit these guys, you talk to the coach, be like, "Hey, tell me about your team." He's probably a name that came up. Um, took a quick glance at his film and pretty impressive. I think I think it makes sense to to start him in the running back room, though he's an treating option defensively, and I think a little bit of that will be. Depends maybe mostly on linebacker depth. Uh, the Brass has got a little more depth in the secondary. Got some good kind of on-campus already options, I think, for that that in-the-box safety. But uh, if, if things don't don't work out there or he, he development doesn't work out there, certainly be an option on that side of the ball, too.
2: Vogue, thanks for jumping on. We'll talk Saturday morning. Thanks for the time, buddy.
6: Thank you. And now.
2: and now, back to Bar Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Bar Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at uh, Damon Barr. That's two R's for Damon. It is Elijah Herbal and Damon Barr tomorrow. It is State Baseball for Junior. He is off to Omaha and the uh, Lincoln A's are trying to Stay hot. Till we head to Las Vegas and find the pride of Chicago, Danny Burke, and we can get some prop bets on 13 and under youth baseball in uh, in Omaha. Danny, can't we? How are you?
0: <laughs> I am doing good, Smitty. Congrats to uh, congrats. What is it? The Lincoln A's, right? Champions. I saw you post. So that must yeah, be a yeah. They
2: they they not only uh, found a way to win four games in in two and a half days but they got to do so in in lovely council bluffs
0: <laughs> so did you make the after you won did you celebrate at the horseshoe casino is that it was is that what happened after
2: i always celebrate when i go to to the shoe because we we were fortunate enough to do some shows out there last year but no i mean it all honest to god truth i mean coach brett's wife and mama bunny they wanted to go to the mm, club, so you, you may or may not have seen that picture of them out in front of the uh, <laughs> the juice bar that was 18 feet from the ballpark.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I did see that picture, and, and when you walked in, they were like, Hey, Smitty, how you doing, right? They know you by name
7: there?
2: Well, it's not me they know by name. It's Mama, uh, so it's, and it's Cinnamon. <laughs> It's Cinnamon. That's her name uh, when she's working. I'm kidding. Her father's gonna stab me. Um, let's get into some gambling. How's that sound? We can we can get into another uh, another pastime, right? We can get into the old gambling take. And Danny Burke does an amazing job. He's the pride of Chicago. You hopefully hear him on Veasan, uh, Sirius XM channel two hundred four. Danny's uh, got a couple of different shows going there, and you follow Danny on Twitter at Danny Burke uh, Five. Danny, what have you been kind of focused in on this week? I'm watching the Memorial now, and Tiger finishes at minus one in the first round. I know that Finau is leading the way at minus six. Who did you get on, or did you stay away from from folks uh, with some some options? I, I know that Tiger was. A uh, really big-time long shot, but folks folks around the betting industry loved that, and some jumped on him. What did you do?
0: Yeah, so I, I've i only bet a little bit of golf up until this point, and I actually did bet some last night because the main thing I've been going with is UFC, and we sure. have a guy who comes on, Lou Finicaro, who's just been killing it, and I followed one of his picks after we had him on the show with Lerone Murphy last night as a slight underdog, so, I had those winnings going, and I was like, you know what? What the hell? I'll, I'll play some golf this weekend because, of course, we have a show called uh, Long Shots on our network, too, where the guys do a great job handicapping all the golf tournaments. And yeah, so they do a really good job. And I was following some of those plays, and um, so I kind of just dabbled all over the place. I don't consider myself an expert when it comes to handicapping golf by any means, but some of the bets that I made was Chev Reby uh, at about a plus 200. Uh, to win the whole thing, or not plus 200, excuse me. I, I bet him at 20,000, uh, or 200 to one. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to go over my list right now. I had the... No, you're uh, fine. Now I got the right one. Okay, so 200 to one, I had Chez Reby Threw a little bit on there, took a fire on him. Now I got the list, okay. And then I had Brooks Kepka who was struggling a little bit today in some parts. I had him at the top 20 finish at plus 120. Hideki Matsuyama, I have him at a top 20 finish at plus 110. Uh, Ches Reby once again at 5 to 1. For a top twenty finish, and then Shane Lowry threw a little bit on him, hundred twenty-five to one to win the whole thing too. So this was kind of just going off some of the advice they gave and what guys could play better in this course and some of the guys who had a pretty strong finish last weekend too because it was a really unique situation considering they're still at Mirfield Village. So uh, it'll, it'll be fun to see how this one plays out,
6: Schmidt. Are
2: you focusing in? I mean, we're not far off from from baseball starting up. NBA is, is getting closer and closer. Have you found some value, Danny, in in win totals in in a crazy year? I mean, are, have you circled in on some teams you like, either on the hardwood or on the diamond?
0: Yeah, you know what, Smitty, I actually have, and um, I can start in the NBA. I like the Miami Heat. Uh, they have win totals posted at DraftKings at least, and they're at four and a half. The overs plus one sixty-five. The under was minus two dollars. The last I saw. And uh, I really like the Heat and the way their schedule sets up. They're still fighting for seating position here, and uh, I believe I had the schedule for me before. But they play the Pacers twice, and that's going to be the team that it really comes down to with seating. We maybe will see Oladipo, maybe not. Even if we do, how much of an impact is he going to be? If, and they get to see him twice, and I think that's a good opportunity for this Heat team. They have a, uh, the last five games is a good stretch where I think they could go five and zero and get over that four and a half mark, and it's really good plus value. And um, they also get to go against the Bucks. And you might think, well, the Bucks are the best team in the East. And certainly they are. They fit the bill. But how competitive and motivated is this Bucks team going to be? They're pretty much solidified in that one seed. And if you're catching the Bucks later on, more than likely they're not going to need to try that hard. So I think a lot of people need to realize that some of these teams don't need to go that crazy. A lot do for seeding, but some don't. And the Bucks are a team that really doesn't. So. Uh, the Heat were the one in basketball that I really liked, plus 165 over 4.5. I think that was at that MGM, excuse me, but DraftKings has them, too. Baseball-wise, um, season win total, I'm fading the Red Sox this season. Their win total at 31.5. The under minus 118 is what I saw at a location. No Alex a suspension, no Mookie, no Price. Chris Dale out with Tommy John. It's going to be a tough division. I think the Rays have a good chance to make the playoffs, too, and they'll be competitive, which leads me to my next bet. I like the Rays at yes to make the playoffs, minus 110. Uh, These next ones are at DraftKings, too. They have the props to make the playoffs. So I'm fading the Red Sox. I think the Rays will make the playoffs. They have a great starting rotation. They've been improving every year. Of course, the Yankees are going to be the Yankees but I still think the Rays are going to have a great opportunity you play the Orioles uh, the Red Sox like I said should decline the Blue Jays are going to be a fun team to watch but still might be a little too young in a year away even in the weird season so I like the Rays to make the playoffs um, a long shot I kind of like just if you're taking a flyer I like the Rangers yes plus 650 to make the playoffs they bring in Corey Kluver Lance Lynn Mike Miner still a solid rotation Jordan Lyles Kyle Gibson coming in add in Todd Frazier, Robinson, Chirinos, if Gallo can get back to being healthy, if, Hens- in, in, uh, if uh, Hunter Pentax, they can stay healthy, they can do enough in a short span that I think it's worth the value that they can make the playoffs. And I know we're running out of time really quick, Smitty, but I also like the Nationals uh, to, to miss the playoffs. They started last season 19-31. and 31. Add that on to a World Series hangover, you lose a big hitter in Rendon. They have a great starting rotation, but their bullpen struggles. So I think the Nationals are going to struggle in their division. Uh, the Phillies, same division. I think, yes, plus 215, there's some good value on the Phillies. They have enough good hitting where they can do well in a short period of time. Uh, don't trust their pitching as much, but I think because of the value, their hitting can do enough to suffice.
2: That is the Pride of Chicago. It is Danny Burke and some thoughts on MLB and, of course, the NBA some totals to look at there and some thoughts on golf. You listen to him on Vison and uh, do so on SiriusXM204. You follow Danny on, uh, of course, uh, Twitter at Danny Birdfight. of Chicago, we'll do this again next week, brother. Thanks for a few minutes. And uh, real quick, uh, about 20 seconds here, when can folks hear you?
0: All right, thank you, Schmitty, you as well. And you can catch me, uh, like you said, 7 to 9 Pacific time, a numbers game I'll be hosting tomorrow and throughout the rest of next week. Decent.com slash subscribe. Free content, like you said, series XM 204
2: Danny Burke at Danny Burke 5. Be good, Danny. Thanks for the time, brother.
0: You bet, Schmitty. Have a good one.
2: There he is. We'll wind down a Thursday next.
1: Miss us. Come here, brother. Hey, man. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time. Hail Varsity Radio on the road today. The uh, the patios where we're at. And uh, Tea Off for Treasures on site Saturday. At Woodland Hills, uh, the uh, Pediatric Brain Cancer Fundraiser and Awareness. Excited to play some golf with Searles and Company on Saturday morning. The uh, the weekend edition will be on uh, 7 to 9 uh, from just uh, south of Lincoln. We uh, had to get back on the road feel, and patio's been very comfortable today. You know what I'm missing on my patio is a hot tub. And I'm missing uh, Deb, the spa lady. Uh, we say hi to Deb, the spa lady. Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2, at off Industrial Road in Omaha. Deb, how you doing? I'm doing
7: great. Yes, I heard that word patio. And it mm-hmm. just perked my ears up because the patio, that's where you need a hot tub. And, yes, we're making that happen. We're getting spas in and... We're probably one of the very few companies that actually have inventory so come in and see us and we can get a spa delivered to you within just a matter of just a short time we've got everything lined up we have our own electrician we have financing lined up we have the inventory we have our delivery guys we always have the best service after the sale so come see us and we'll we'll make it happen
2: Debbie, you you know what, and and my patio is is pretty decent. Uh, I have friends that have really awesome patios, Mm -hmm. which means they've got room for that swim spa. But you've got a spa to fit any patio, don't you?
7: We really do. We have a little two-person spa. We have them all the way up to the big swim spas that you can get, and they're 19 feet long. So the majority of the spas we sell sell are 7 foot by 7 foot, 8 foot by 8 foot. And they seat roughly five to six people. So that's the most common one, but we really do have specialty ones, too.
2: Deb, if folks want to come see you and, and check out the selection, uh, how do they do that? I know you're open, which is outstanding. Uh, and I'm interested to, to know, you know, weekend, if someone's getting off work, can they come by? Uh, or, you know, even midweek, what's, uh, what's the timeline for them? Well, our regular
7: hours are 10 to 6 Monday through Friday and 10 to 4 on Saturday. But we're always uh, more than willing to meet you at a different time if that just if those hours don't work for you. Give us a call and we'll work something out so we can be there when you can.
2: Deb, that is outstanding. SpasOnline.com is where you log on. You go visit Deb at Home Innovation Spas 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha. Deb, uh, I want you to have a great weekend. Stay healthy, and and thanks for your time, and thanks for all you do. Okay, Chris. Sounds great. Bye-bye. Take care. That's Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln. Go see Deb and, uh, you know get a spa picked up let Deb show you get a swim spa you can get a swim spa and you can have the old Johnny football uh, swan you have about 50 of those swans in the the, uh, swim spa I promise you
3: Damon what are you doing tonight I'm taking it easy. I'm probably going to sit on the couch and uh, surf for some spas and then cry at the number in my bank account. (laughs) Sounds like a a nightly occurrence. Uh You just keep on crying (laughs) and uh, take some of Danny's
2: advice and then triple your money. How's that? I'll take a best bet today. There we go. All right. Uh, You and Elijah have a good old time tomorrow, all right? We will. We always do. All right. Take care. We'll be back at you uh, Saturday uh, from the uh, Tee for Treasures. Thanks.